Sago, welcome to the podcast series, Sacred Teachings. I'm Ginny Doctor of the Mohawk Turtle Clan. The first series will explore the meaning and importance of the natural world to the first peoples of this land. It is our responsibility to live in harmony and balance with all of creation. In this time when young people across the globe are calling out for justice and for all of us to stop destroying our natural world, we offer to you some wisdom and reflections to inform and inspire the way forward. This is Sacred Teaching, Wisdom of the Land. I stand with Wet'suwet'en. I stand with Tyendinaga. I stand with our ancestors. I stand with our sacred land. This podcast is about the protest started by the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs over a natural gas pipeline which would cut through 190 kilometers of their territory. I think it's fair to say that the whole world is watching us in Canada as this story unfolds. The Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs say some progress is being made about the RCMP presence on their territory in northern BC. Protests, though, and blockades keep happening elsewhere. Today, one reached a potentially dangerous new level. We need our rights as Indigenous people. Meanwhile, the uh, Canadian government is asking for a peaceful end to blockades, which have paralyzed transport. The pipeline crosses the territory of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation in the northwestern part of the province of British Columbia. This is not a story that has taken place over a few months. It's a story that has taken place over 500 years. Here to talk about this are three people from different parts of Canada with different experiences. One is Aaron Salt, Mohawk from Six Nations in Ontario. One is Yolanda Bird, Cree from Treaty Six Territory in Saskatchewan. Aaron and Yolanda are joined by Archbishop Mark McDonald. Scanigal. So we are having a conversation about how we are on First Nations lands and uh, how we've been treated and given been inconvenienced over the certain amount of years by being um, relocated and put on First Nations reserves all across Canada. And we are moved from our original homelands to reservations. Or we are governed by the, the Canadian government, especially specifically the uh, um, Indian Affairs Department governed through the Indian Act and created and the way that First Nations people are treated specifically by the, 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 the governments and I think we were talking about the Wet'suwin um, pipeline that, that the people, the First Nations people are protesting. I think that's very important. For me, it's been very important to get to the heart of the matter and why it is so important to indigenous people. And I think that sometimes get lo gets lost because uh, a lot of forces in the society, they are looking for their own political agenda and leverage in it. And 
so people are all coming at it. And I think that uh, what has been missed is the heart of the matter is, and that is the authority of traditional law and the authority of indigenous people and their lives and their culture. And that's really why it's so important to us. And uh, a lot of people, I think, want to make it just about the pipeline. But, but I think it's, 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 it's a more deep issue. And it has to do with things that, that go back hundreds of years and a lot of pain. Right. Yeah. The um, the First Nations Reserve, like uh, Six Nations, they have uh, three communities: one called Hagersville, one named Caledonia, in a city called Brantford. All three communities have running clean drinking water mm. around the um, that surround the the Six Nations Reserve. But Six Nations Reserve does not have clean drinking water or sewer lines, and many First Nations across Canada are without clean drinking water. That there are more um, oil pipelines, there are more um, mining companies, there are more um, gas lines that run through and around our communities mm -hmm. than we have um, access to clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. And it's been like that since I can last remember, and my, my grandmother will, could verify with this, that we've had um, these struggles on all our First Nations across Canada, you know, as far as back as we've made... Um, treaties and made agreements and contracts with the, the government, the federal government. This is what has been the, the most frustrating to me in the conversation about this is about the inconvenience that uh, 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 the majority population has experienced as a result of that. But not a peep from any of the political leaders about the pain in indigenous communities that government policies in the past and present have brought to, brought to them. So I, I think you raise a very important point and help to show the frustration that people feel. The great thing about this is like we get to share perspectives from different areas of Canada, but and, um, and a lot of issues that haven't been tackled is um, clear-cutting in communities and around communities and also on highways. Um, for something that used to be um, a really beautiful site to look in, look over to the hills and see nothing but a vast landscape of trees and, you know, so how beautiful it would make the landscape look. And um, then you have to um, see the ugliness of what it looks like now, and it's like raping the land of its natural beauty. And now what they're leaving behind is these massive um, muskegs that never used to exist. And... It cuts off the natural habitat and how they normally, um, like, because they're no, nomadic, right? So they go all over the place. But when you have muskegs that never used to exist, like, people depend on the, um, you know, the food from those areas. And when the animals aren't coming through that same same trail that they used to, then other people uh, people have to go in different ways to other places that aren't their natural hunting territory. So that causes a lot of discrepancies when it comes to, you know, like um, uh, conservation officers and stuff and the boundaries of where you can and cannot hunt. And um, it affects us in those ways too as well. Right now, there's a slogan out where First Nations people are calling themselves, and, and I believe it, and I believe they are, 
are calling themselves um, land defenders, um, protecting Mother Earth. As a First Nations person, we think seven generations ahead. So we are not just thinking about our own specific generation that are here now talking, but we are trying to believe and think and make a difference and change um, for the seven generations that are to come that we can keep the um, our natural resources is um, as natural as we possibly can without being contaminated mm. by oil and other chemicals that are being created. And um, the First Nations people are these land defenders to help keep this land as clean as possible for our generations to come. That's, that's very good. I like that very much. And I think that you have uncovered another very important point in all of this. And living relationship between uh, human beings and the rest of creation is at the heart of indigenous life and culture. And the, the, the culture that has come out of this global culture of money, is what I like to call it, has separated human beings from the, 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 the land, separated from the other creatures, and has made humanity seem like something out there. And part of the reason I think that uh, the larger society has a difficult time understanding indigenous ideas and, and, and sensitivity about these things is because they no longer seem uh, able to understand that living relationship and how critical that is to indigenous life, culture, law, and those sorts of things. That's why um, this is so important. And I see the land defenders as a restoration of the authority of the people of the land for the land. And uh, may, may God bless their work and, and important uh, sacrifices for, for the land and for the people. Um, just reminded me about how when um, the treaties were um, implicated for us and um, one of the biggest promises that stands out true to me and and means a whole lot to me and to everyone else that that is aware of the treaties that um, the agreement that they made with the queen was like for long as the, the grass grows and the rivers flow that we should have these treaties and and we will always make use of those and keep them as ours yeah my my grandmother tells me that there's not one treaty that the government has kept Mm -hmm. The government has broken its word on every single treaty with every First Nations across Canada, and they still continue to do it to this day. We see all of our First Nations people coming together across Canada, um, just trying to not disrupt um, people's lives, but trying to bring attention and awareness in, with what they have to work with mm -hmm. in, in their area, if that's a, um, a railroad track, if it's a, if it's a highway. Um, if it's a river, if it's a dam, or, mm. you know, things like that. The First Nations people, that's all we have to work with. Our voices are not heard we, on the national level where we are heard when we protest. Mm -hmm. When First Nations people protest, it gets tons of media coverage. It gets lots of criticism. People are angry. People are upset. But if we were to go about it, the, um, talk to the governments, talk to our MPs, talk to Parliament, we would get nowhere and... The First Nations people would, uh, you know, still be still be stuck and when when and, and being treated the same way as the Wet'suwet'en people are being treated now. Every First Nations, 
you know, the government would do these kinds of things too, mm. break their treaties and break their promises. We were um, discussing earlier about um, the inconvenience that, the, um, like, the railroad being closed has caused commuters and people going through. Um, that kind of makes me um, a little bit, you know, like I don't really feel compassion for that because the inconvenient truth of what we had to endure this whole entire time was like um, being stripped of our natural habitats, of our natural um, hunting grounds, of our natural um, living areas, like where we naturally used to hunt fish and trap. We were forced to come into this little tiny area and live together in a, in a small village and, you know, forced to stay on this little piece of land not allowed to leave unless you had a piece of paper saying you're allowed to leave for this many hours and come back by this time otherwise you were jailed fined or other words and coming from that to to this point right now where they're trying to take back that land which was the only tiny piece of land that was given to us and trying to take back that land it's just not it's not something that we have to feel compassion for because it's been stripped of us before and like you know like you give us this after you've stripped that and then you're expecting us to let you strip that from us as well you know then what are you trying to say is it you know what are we supposed to do just sit there and say okay go ahead keep going no this is our way of keeping the foot in the door to make sure that something is done and that they're hearing our voices and that they're standing up and protecting us as well as human beings and as indigenous peoples of the land. That's right. But I think it's very important for uh, Canadians to understand, for the world to understand, that there isn't a healthy future for Canada in which the full rights and dignity of indigenous people is recognized. And this, uh, this is all that's being asked, you know, not that indigenous people set the agenda for everybody else, but that indigenous people have a respected and honored place at the table of Canadian life. That this is essential, and it isn't happening now. I hear uh, some of the more violent people talk about, you know, indigenous people having special privileges and that sort of thing. And this isn't true at all. What people are standing up for in this matter is to have the same rights and, and privileges as everybody else. And that is all that's being asked for, and uh, that is something that has been denied, as, as both of you have pointed out. If people are out there asking what they can do to help support these um, First Nations um, um, issues and protests that are happening, is rather write a letter to your um, member of parliament. Get involved and educate yourself on First Nations history and awareness. Do your best to understand and listen to First Nations people from there and hear the, the, their side of the story from their perspective. Everything is sacred to us, um, the, the water, 
the land, the air we breathe, you know, the sky that we see, everything has a meaning to it. And the only reason why it means so much to us is because it's our future. And what Aaron was saying earlier about, you know, the seven generations ahead of us, you know, we need to give them something to look forward to. So that's why we try and, you know, stand together and to keep Canada beautiful. The only way we're going to do that is if we take care of her and treat her like our own mothers, you know, really value and um, help nurture her as much as she's nurtured us. Mm -hmm.